Welcome to Surviving the Shift, where we explore the strategies and mindsets necessary to navigate our fast-changing world. Join us as we delve into the latest trends and insights, and chart a course toward a resilient and adaptable future. Episode 2? Man, it feels like it's been a while since we recorded. Yeah, almost like it's been, uh, what, nine days? Something like that, yeah. Not sure when this episode comes out, but yeah, it's been it's been a while. Too long. Anyway, Agreed. we have uh, we have DJ Satoshi, which is our guest for this episode, joining us. Hi, DJ. Hey, everybody. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Of course. Thank you for hopping on. Um, so, I mean, if you want to go ahead and introduce yourself, give us a little bit of history, how you got into Bitcoin, all of that, love to hear it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, um, I go by DJ, DJ Satoshi 18 on Twitter. And um, I found Bitcoin thanks to, I guess, the pandemic is uh, kind of what I call it. Um, March 2020, I was working uh, in retail and real estate and the construction industry. And so um, the company that I was working for, we were kind of forced to shut down with the lockdowns for about two months. And I was working there for five years. And it kind of gave me a wake-up call that, you know, the rat race I was in is not going to, you know, A, it's not stable, it's not sustainable, and I wasn't happy anyway. So it was kind of a great wake-up call to have and gave me an opportunity to rethink where I was going in my life. And I started questioning when I heard that they were going to create trillions of dollars to stimulate the economy, and they were just going to be handing out money and... I was a little confused what that even meant. So I kind of asked a big question that I never asked myself before of what money is. And I, you know, just started going down that rabbit hole, started learning about, you know, what fractional reserve lending means, what, um, you know, how money is created, what treasuries are, um, Fed, you know, I went down the rabbit hole of like gold and silver, precious metals, started learning about you know history of money i guess is kind of how i would describe it just um you know realized that i was missing a whole history of thousands of years that got us here and realized that i knew nothing about what i was working for i uh, started a mobile dj business when i was really young in my teens and just love music even today. I wish I continued to be a DJ and produce music and uh, hoping that getting on a Bitcoin standard, I can get back to my passion and focus on that again. When I started learning about, you know, gold and silver and the history of money, I realized that without it, that like without a hard money, without an honest money, you know, all of society is going to be dishonest. All of the incentives are going to be corrupt and it's just going to have a lot of issues uh, for everyone in that system. And it explained to me why I was so unhappy in the rat race, why even though I was trying to save my way to, you know, buying a property or buying a car or whatever I was saving for, it was always a struggle. It was always like a melting ice cube. Um, and you're just kind of chasing, always chasing, always chasing the like money. a lot of people can relate to that. Um, yeah. You know, something I find interesting with everyone that's in Bitcoin that I talk to, 
um, is their actual like argument for Bitcoin over other assets. Gold, for example, is a great one because you know there's so many people that own both, and there's a lot of people that you know just like gold or just like Bitcoin. So that's a that's a really good um, thing. I would like to hear your opinion on a little bit. Yeah. So. The reason I even found Bitcoin is because I started learning about like what money is and I found gold and silver and understood the history of all that. And then I had a hard time trying to even find a way to acquire gold and save in gold because it's like, okay, well, what are your options? You can buy it in paper form, right? And then you don't actually self-custody it. And how are you going to ever get that gold out if shit hits the fan? If like for some reason that custodian or that brokerage doesn't want to give you that gold for whatever reason. Um, so that was the biggest problem for me. And then when I started learning more about that aspect of it and trying to figure out how you verify gold and you know, just in general, how do you acquire gold and save in gold and custody gold and secure it, that's when I found Bitcoin. And I had heard about Bitcoin numerous times in my life beforehand, like, like around 2013 or sometime around then when like my friends were kind of mentioning it because they were like hearing about like how you can like buy things online using bitcoin and i was just like you know i it didn't sound interesting to me at the time because it did sound interesting i guess it's just i didn't do the work to actually look into it and i didn't want to like do anything kind of like on the so-called black market and so i was just like okay well i don't want to be involved in anything that's like dangerous and like you know that could get me in trouble right and so I just was like, all right, well, I'm just going to stay away from that. That's, you know, sounds like something I don't know anything about. I'm not going to bother, right? Being lazy, intellectually lazy is what I would call it. And that was interesting because I was in my university years when I was like actually learning about like computer science and psychology and business. So I really should have been more intellectually curious and actually more critical of to think about it for myself rather than just like listen to what other people were kind of saying about it and um then i heard about it again in 2017 through my actual like uh my mother-in-law to be at the time uh she had mentioned it like during thanksgiving dinner in the sense of like not even like bitcoin but blockchain technology and said how like blockchain technology is going to revolutionize the world and you know she was talking about it from a technological aspect, but she wasn't talking about Bitcoin. She, I guess, just had heard about blockchain through like maybe mainstream media or whatever, or through like investing research. And so I guess maybe she was just investing into like different ETFs that are focused on blockchain technology around 2017. And also probably because of the whole hype cycle during that cycle. Um, so I, again, tried to research it this time and I couldn't figure out blockchain technology. I wasn't researching Bitcoin. I was trying to learn blockchain technology and it just, it was like all this, you know, cryptography and mathematics. And I was not very mathematical. Like I'm not very good at math in the sense of like high level math. Like I know one plus one is two and I can do maybe some algebra, but not really good at like, you know, not passionate about math on the high level, I guess, even though it's very interesting if you do just get to the fundamentals of math. But I ignored it then too, you know, I just gave up and I just kept living my rat race life and just trying to focus on my career. And then that's when the pandemic woke me up, right? Because it was like, okay, well, now I'm looking into gold and silver and how do you self-custody this money? And also like, then it's like the question of acceptability and like, okay, well, 
who's gonna accept my gold and silver okay well i'm gonna have to then go back into fiat that, that's the other thing too that i learned is fiat like i didn't even understand what fiat meant like fiat currency like what's a fiat the car you know like whenever i ask people like you know about fiat currencies they're like what you mean the car and you know i had the same outlook in the beginning about it and so it's really interesting because that's how i came to bitcoin that i started to learn about what money is and i think most people that's how they come to bitcoin as well as they ask themselves what money really is and then they really look into like the properties of money and realize that the current thing that we call money is really just a currency that's actually forced on us by decree by the government in order for us to just pay them taxes and in order just to siphon our time and energy away from us and to them and create contillionaires um so yeah it, like to realize that money is being created out of thin air and that we have to work for it like that really like got to me you know like it really explained to me why i was like kind of just depressed you know like just depressed living my life just kind of thinking like okay well i guess it's either you play their game and you rehypothecate asset into asset into asset and just kind of play that real estate shuffle or you find another way and just live sustainably and in a, in a different system and so bitcoin is that different system i think and i think bitcoiners are some of the smartest like most responsible most respectful people that i've ever met and that's why i really love bitcoin i mean the ingenuity and the honesty the integrity that people have and the willingness to be honest about like their ideas and willing be willing to be wrong and and unlearn things that we were always taught about so you know this this is kind of my passion for bitcoin like i just really think that my mother-in-law was right, even though today she doesn't let me uh, talk to her about Bitcoin because I'm the guy in the family now that all I want to talk about is Bitcoin and they all don't want to hear it. You know, they're just like, ah, you're crazy or, oh, that's a scam or, oh, like, whatever. I just, I don't care. They literally tell me they don't care. They just want to, like, get paid and move on with their life, right? And it's like, okay, well, I guess you guys don't care. So, you know, I, I, I'm really hopeful that more people will wake up to this option you know bitcoin is an opt-in system so hopefully people wake up to it and and it's not even just about hoping that people will wake up to it but it's also about us spreading the word and educating others about the fact that we have this option i think bitcoin is going to be the biggest i told you so for so many people and it's going to be so funny to witness that and even be a part of that because there's a lot of people that i know of that you know i've mentioned bitcoin to and tried to explain it to them um, and they just they can't get it they just can't understand it which is you know fine I guess that's just kind of how it is sometimes but um, I, I think my main thing with gold going back to that was uh, the fact that gold is not actually backed by anything more than Bitcoin is or I should rephrase that. I think it's it's backing is limited whereas bitcoins isn't because in my opinion what bitcoin is backed by is the ability to send and receive money anywhere in the world with absolutely no one being able to stop you um, and also super quick you don't have to rely on anything else that kind of thing which is pretty obvious and then the backing for gold at least the main argument that I hear is the fact that you can use it in technology you can use it in you know watches whatever it may be which is 
a valid argument, I guess, um, whenever you first hear it. But if you actually look into the numbers, the market cap of gold is, you know, whatever it is, around 11 trillion. Um, and the market cap within gold that's actually used for technology and whatever it is, is like 20% of that. So then if you go based on that, gold is 80% overvalued based on what it's backed by. So I, I just, I feel like there's really no good argument for holding gold over Bitcoin unless you just like a piece of jewelry or something. But at that point, it's not so much an investment. Uh, it's, it's rather just, you know, something that you enjoy having. Yeah, so I guess to go back to your question, I'm sorry I kind of gave a big rant again. Uh, just, um, I think what you're pointing on, what you're touching on, is monetary premium that gold has, and I touched on this with real estate as well, where you know all of these hard assets have a monetary premium on them because there is no hard money simply be able to save our time and energy and value in um ideally that's what gold was trying to be but there were so many issues with that because we started to move away from you know bartering like in smaller communities and transacting in smaller spaces like physically and we became more globalized with the Industrial Revolution, where we're relying on resources coming from other countries and from other regions that are farther from us. And so a technological boom requires digital money now. We need a digital money because we need to be able to transact at the speed of light. And Because we, if we can communicate at the speed of light, at the end of the day, what is money? It's, it's a form of communication, communicating value communicating the store of time and value that you earned through your hard work. And so it's just a no-brainer that we're going to have Bitcoin. They don't want us to have Bitcoin because they just want us to have their central bank digital currency because they can't control Bitcoin. So they're scared of Bitcoin and they're fighting it with, you know, kicking and screaming. But yeah. back to the monetary premium, right? Bitcoin doesn't need Bitcoin is just money. It has no other utility. Whereas gold and real estate, it has utility. It's not like actual money that's usable in a fashion that, you know, could work for exactly. day to day, whatever. And and you know, there are some arguments your real estate and go same. buy groceries with it. It's gonna yeah. take you at least a couple of days to just find somebody to buy it and then the transaction alone might take a couple of days, right? And that's like really fast. Like Typically, a real estate transaction can take months, if not even a year. Um, well, there's so, that, but yeah. also just, you know, um, you're not going to walk into a store with a gold bar to buy groceries, you know? So it's just right. the usability of Bitcoin is way higher. I mean, everything about Bitcoin is better as a currency and as an asset, in my opinion. Because, I mean, yep. you know, touching on the fact that you said technology, because we are in technological age, you know, we kind of need a money that can keep up. But also as we advance further and further and start expanding the human race outward, um, then gold becomes way, way less scarce. So, you know, you kind of flood the market with it. And in that scenario, gold is not really deflationary at that point. 
Dervice, um, did you did you want to touch on this gold argument? I'd love to hear your opinion on this as well. Well, I for one like my small collection of shiny rocks. Um, <laughs> that being said, it's like you guys are you guys are hammering it perfectly. It's like gold's got its physical use cases and in industry, and I mean like we do have a history as a species of using it, but now we've just got something that's hands down objectively better. It's just people have this difficulty wrapping their minds around it, where it's like we've, we haven't had a real money for so long, people forgot what money is. And so we've got these like facsimiles of just like, well, dumping money into real estate and just, I don't know, I, I could probably rant for about an hour, like just on that one. You know, I also don't think we've ever actually had a global currency, a real global currency, because gold, I guess, is the closest to that. But even gold, I mean, you go back in history and a lot of different places in the world would, you know, use other assets other than gold as their, you know, reserve or what they traded with or whatever it may be, um, you know, even oil and all of that different stuff. Um so I feel like Bitcoin is that kind of opportunity to finally have a currency that everyone can use and have the same amount of value and kind of equal playing field, I guess. I would agree. It, it, it does. It smashes a lot of the existing like incentive structures that we have around the money that we use, or sorry, currency we use nowadays. And so it's, I mean, it's, uh, it. How do I articulate this? It's like flipping the bit, where it's like the second you understand it, it's like your entire like worldview changes. And I even then, it's sure. like, every, and then like, at least one thing that I've noticed is every time I I think I understand Bitcoin, something new comes along, or there's a new perspective, you know, like a new lens by which to like take a look at it, and they're all valid, which is like the astounding thing, where it's like at the end of the day, Bitcoin is truth. Yeah, and you know, I think, I feel like a lot of people, um, you know, the type of people that, DJ, you were talking about, like your family, Thanksgiving, whatever, doesn't want to talk about it, that kind of thing. I think they are going to start seeing the value of Bitcoin more and more and more, um, as we already are. I mean, with how the world is going, with how banks are going, with how the currency is going here. I mean, everybody can see prices going up. Everybody can see their, you know, paychecks not changing at all so i feel like something has to change and that's a big part of this show i mean we are trying to survive this shifting you know world in so many different ways um and i think bitcoin is one of those ways of survival it's kind of a safe haven um and actually you know if we want to go into the bank failure a little bit more i haven't really looked into it too much um in the last few weeks but um, I think a lot of these banks are kind of starting to realize their losses from, you know, government bonds or whatever it may be. You guys could probably explain it more, but I'd love to hear y'all's uh, opinions on it. Yeah, so I haven't done a deep dive on it other than listening to bigger macroeconomic heads than myself. You know, I mean, I do appreciate macroeconomics more now thanks to Bitcoin, and I understand how the world is more interconnected and how energy and all these different commodities that we really need, real-world resources, impact the economy uh, locally. Um, so from what I'm hearing, because of the Fed increasing rates at 
a faster pace historically than ever before. It has caused the treasuries that banks are holding in reserves to basically have unrealized losses. And because of people being able to withdraw their money from those banks at the speed of light, thanks to technology now, you know, now with online banking, you can literally, you know, sweep your whole bank account from one account to another in one day. And that's what we saw with somebody like SVB, um, Silicon Valley Bank, apparently, I think it was roughly $50 billion left that bank in 24 hours, which is like a historic rate. Um, so it was like a digital bank run that happened on SVB. And when that happens, in order to pay those depositors their $50 billion that was going out, they had to sell their treasury reserves they were holding. And when they did that, they realized those losses that they had in unrealized losses. So if they could have held those treasuries to maturity, whether it was 10 years or 30 years, they may have been okay. But because there was a bank run, and again, they probably wouldn't have been okay anyway, but again, I'm, I, this is more mathematical and more high level. Uh, so I'm not going to get into it because I'm not an expert in this, but this is just what I'm hearing and what I'm how I'm understanding it. So definitely don't trust me. Verify it for yourself. But yeah, without this, having this was the issue. This was the issue. Is looking like, into it very much. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like it's more so the U.S. dollar getting weaker, but then there's so many institutions that rely on that strength of the U.S. dollar just in general, um, which can be so many different things. It can you know be the bonds. It can be them raising rates. But at the end of the day, it is just the currency getting weaker from a variety of factors. So I would suggest anyone that is holding any kind of money in any kind of bank, U.S. dollars, whatever, look into your bank and look into the, just this topic in general and what is happening with the banking system right now. And then, you know, compare that to Bitcoin and decide for yourself what you would feel safer holding because me personally um, whenever the SVB situation happened I pulled so much money out of fiat investments that I have and threw it into Bitcoin um, I probably moved 20% of my portfolio within a week and I think a lot of people would do the same um, it's just unfortunate that so many people are so trusting in the banking system and, and rightfully so I mean we've not really had it in banking issue for you know some people's lifetimes I mean you could argue that 2008 but like that was more so on the the top level of banks so a lot of the smaller regional banks that we're seeing right now were not as affected um, and a lot of the you know regular people were not as affected it was more so real estate and stuff but I think this is going to be 10 times worse um, if it continues at the pace that it's continuing at and I think people really need to start understanding where their money is and understanding that there's other options well and to kind of touch on that uh, if you look at 2008 or rather the run-up to 2008 and all those bank failures uh, we actually have more um, as far as like total assets like assets under management from these banks that have failed over the last like what month and a half than we had in the run-up to the uh, great recession so i'm not trying to spook anybody i'm definitely not trying to start a bank run but um 
just something to think about where it could just be the scale of the issue is moving up or it could just be that we haven't adjusted for inflation properly as far as like um how we're actually viewing it but i mean it's 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 concerning numbers to say the least it certainly is and i feel like um because this show is surviving the shift the biggest thing other than just owning bitcoin in general you could do to survive any kind of geopolitics shift you know global shift whatever um is no longer trust banks no longer trust governments whatever it may be um verify it you know don't just take these things that have been working for years and assume that they will continue working they might i'm not saying that everything is going to go down it could but it might not but that's also you know kind of why it's so important to really understand what is happening here and how it relates to just everyone in general your own personal finances and everything And it's also one of those things where if you don't know what you're invested in, then you shouldn't be in it. Like if you don't understand where your money is or what your money is, you're you're better off just hiring somebody else. But with Bitcoin, you really don't have that. Well, I mean, you do do have that luxury, but the custodial solutions that are uh, currently being built out, a lot of them are pretty good, but they're still not quite there. Which is uh, why uh, Cashew and and Fediments in, 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 in particular are um, something I'm definitely keeping my eye on. I think the beauty of Bitcoin relating to what you just said is the fact that as long as you hold your own keys and you have a secure wallet, all you have to do is just hold Bitcoin, you know, just have Bitcoin. It's not like you have to pick stocks or like manage your money on a weekly basis or anything. You could just throw money into Bitcoin and leave it. Um, You know, if that's, if that's what you're confident in doing, I mean, I'm sure there's some people out there that still have the utmost confidence in banks, and if that's you, then I guess hold money in banks. But me personally, I would heavily suggest comparing Bitcoin versus just the fiat system that's happening right now and you know, decide. And I feel like a lot of people would be very surprised with what decision they'd be coming with if they actually went into it you know, from a very unbiased standpoint um, and actually looked at it. And I think another very important thing about understanding what you have money in is the fact that the Bitcoin network is kind of complex, so it's hard to understand, but at the same time, I think you can learn it fairly easily. You can get the basics of it fairly easily and you know understand why it's so secure. Um, but at the same time, there's complexities such as ordinals and what we've been seeing with the you know network, um, I guess, issues. I, I don't really know how to explain it. I feel like that's something that you guys could probably touch on more, but I would like to uh, get in that for sure. Yeah, before yeah, that... we go there, if you guys don't mind, uh, go ahead, Dave, and then I'll circle back to me. Uh, I was just going to say, it's like, I've, I've like over the past couple of days, I've just been staring at Mimpool. And I mean, like, at, what is it? I think I saw one block. I can't remember which block it was, but it was something like 13 or 14 Bitcoin inside of that block, including the subsidy. So we actually had the uh, uh, fees outpace the actual block subsidy. So it's it's kind of an interesting interesting way to take... Well, it's an interesting thing to, to have happen because now people are realizing, oh, okay, well, what I thought was going to happen isn't going to happen. Or it... Shoot, I'm 
trying to think how to articulate this. It's an interesting thing to see a glimpse into the future of Bitcoin whenever we actually do have the uh, fees outpacing the uh, subsidy, because that that will be coming in the next probably five years, just naturally. And for yeah. people who don't understand, you could go ahead and explain what the mempool is and you know how Bitcoin transactions work just fairly quickly if you'd like. Sure, okay. I can take it quick. Or did you want to... Dave, go for it. Oh, no, go ahead, DJ. Okay, sure. So, I mean, just on a really high level, um, every transaction has to be broadcast to the network. And... It, when it's broadcast to the network, it gets broadcast into the memory pool. That's what the mempool stands for, the memory pool of a node. And a node is simply a server or, yeah, it's just simply a server, a copy of the public blockchain, the Bitcoin time chain. And so if you want to send me one Bitcoin, then you will have to broadcast that transaction to the mempool. And it will sit there until the miners input that into the next block that comes in. So the first block that started off with Satoshi and with Halfini mining and all the cypherpunks in the beginning, it was block zero. And once that block got confirmed, then it went to block one. And then once block two got confirmed, it went to three, then four, then five, then six, and so forth. And today we're, I think, roughly around 789,000 blocks in. Uh, this is 14 years later. And every transaction that gets broadcast, has to, every transaction that wants to occur on the network has to get broadcast and put into the mempool until the miner can put it into the next block. And in order to... Um, put it in the next block, you have to pay a fee to the miner for their proof of work, for them expending real-world energy using their real-world resources, which are the ASIC miners. So we pay them a transaction fee based on the size and weight that the transaction takes up on the block space. So there's like one megabyte space worth of block space and so if your transaction takes up more of that space more of that real estate on the block you will pay a higher fee and if your transaction is light and small then you will pay a smaller amount of fee so this fee structure is based on a one sat per v byte or x sat per v byte depending on the demand for the block space and so this is what i think you were getting into Jax, saying how right now there is more demand the block space because of this new uh, protocol theory that was just created recently a few months ago and because of that uh, the, the ordinal the ordinals theory is what it's called which is just a completely separate theory protocol that's not relating to Bitcoin that was just created you know and now people are just opting into that theory in order to basically um, sign inscriptions to uh, Satoshi and then be able to trade that Satoshi with other people and make it kind of like more non-fungible, which doesn't make sense from just the like actual theory of what Bitcoin is because Bitcoin is fungible. Um, you, you know, one Satoshi equals one Satoshi. So to 
ask someone to pay you, you know, one Bitcoin for one Satoshi that has an inscription linked to it is, is, uh, is just literally if you're willing to do that because you decided that you want to pay more for that one Satoshi because all of a sudden it has a picture of uh, DJ Satoshi on it. And so because you want that Satoshi that has the inscription linked to that Satoshi on the Ordinals Theory protocol, you're going to pay me one Bitcoin and I'm going to send you that one Satoshi. Again, it's it's a collectible, you know. So if you're into collectibles and that kind of thing, then, you know, people are doing it. Um, personally, I'm not fond of paying more for one Satoshi. You know, I think Satoshis are fungible. Um, and I, you know, would rather, if I want to buy artwork or collectibles, I'd rather just pay the owner and get that um, artwork. Um, but, you know, to each their own. So hence why there's that congestion right now on the network. Um, I hope I explained that clearly enough and didn't lose anybody. That was pretty good, in my opinion, at least. Um, yeah, I think I think people are going to start kind of realizing that you're really not getting anything more than just one Satoshi, as you were saying. So hopefully this kind of dies down, but also something else I've been seeing, um, I think it's with the ordinals, but it's BRP20s or whatever. It's basically creating other tokens through the uh the ordinals protocol i suppose um yeah so brc20 tokens yeah. which is just a whole nother you know uh i, I mean you know I, i'm trying to be you know polite but in, in my honest opinion i believe that you know it's just a grift it's just a scam but yeah. you know each to each their own everyone can make their own decision on what they buy it's a free market you know i like to think of myself as a freedom maximalist and that everyone can choose their own choices in life so if people are willing to get suckered in to this idea that they should pay more for these different tokens that are uh so-called minted and by by through inscription and then you know, linked to a Satoshi that, you know, like th there's so many issues with it on a technical scale and I'm not a developer, so it's kind of hard for me to explain it. I, I understand it in theory, but I don't want to really go into like the the theory because I, I don't want to mess it up and then be wrong. Again, I'd rather you guys just look into it yourself and don't trust me and verify for yourself. And, um, you know, I, I like to listen to smarter people than myself. So from my understanding, it, it's just a, it's a whole... Uh, like, what's the word? It's just a whole mix of things. They just basically, like, had to tape up a bunch of things to make this work, you know, as these BRC20s. Um, it's just a bunch of text, like JSON files, and, you know, that are being put on the blockchain, and then they're just minting tokens out of thin air. Not really, because they have to make a transaction per each token, but... You know, so hence they're willing to pay high fees to do this process, and because of that, it's driving up demand, and therefore driving up the network fee, the transaction fee. Um, but again, we're actually seeing this economic incentive play out the way it should, uh, the way it naturally would, where eventually, you know, people, uh, the demand lowers for the network, and the prices come down. I mean, this is just like basic supply and demand economics. So. Um, I'm not worried about it. You know, people can do what they want. It's unfortunate that people are 
you know, falling for these scams, you know, but, you know, I, I don't understand why, like, people don't just focus on, like, creating a website, opening up a BTC pay server, and, and accepting Bitcoin for their goods and services on that website, whether it's art or some collectible, even if it's digital, you know, I mean, people pay for ebooks and, you know, uh, digital products every single day by the billions. So it's not like we need to create an ordinals theory and, you know, link it to a Satoshi and say, now because you bought this book, you're going to get this Satoshi that's linked to your book <laughs> that's inscribed on the Bitcoin time chain. Like, you know, it's just basically people, in my opinion, that are just bored and creative and creating these ingenious, you know, weird uh, ideas that then people get to, uh, you know, scam others with i guess it's you know, unfortunate that was, but that was yeah. always something i didn't like about nfts it just felt unnecessary to me i think there is some ways that you nfts can be utilized but not necessarily valuable if that makes sense like i feel like you can utilize an nft for you know the, the most common example of putting like a house deed on the blockchain so it's more secure whatever but that's not necessarily adding value to NFTs in general because, you know, it's just somebody's house deed, right? It's not really like a, you know, picture of a monkey or whatever. Um, and I right. think it's kind of the same thing with, with ordinals. I, I feel like, you know, kind of what you were saying, there's not really any reason that we would need, you know, ordinal NFTs on the Bitcoin blockchain. Like, it's just not necessary. Bitcoin already has everything that it needs to be what it needs to be. Um, but I will say BRC20 tokens seem like they could be interesting. Again, I'm not really a developer either, so I don't think I could touch on it on like a technical level. But it seems like being able to specify certain sats um, and kind of like categorize them could be interesting. Like, you know, for um, for like certain companies or certain entities or whatever, they have their own kind of you know, sats that they have specified. So that way, if they're paying for something, someone knows exactly where those sats came from and who's sending them and that kind of thing. So like it kind of gets rid of that um, anonymous uh, pay on Bitcoin, but in a way that it's like, you don't have to do it. So it's like, you can stay anonymous if you want, but also if you want to, you know, verify, but also I guess you could do that with the wallet address. But then again, yeah, like you can I said, already do that. You can already do that. You don't need ordinals theory for that. And also like ordinals said, theory is completely like a separate thing. It's not even on Bitcoin, you know. And so technically, like if you look into how UTXOs work, uh, unspent transaction outputs, you know, each UTXO can be traced back to its history, back to the original Coinbase where it was issued. Um, so every time a new block is mined, confirmed there are two things that happen. The miners get their reward in issuance of the new block subsidy reward. So in the beginning it was 50, and it gets halved every four years to 25, then 12 and a half, and now 6.25, and then 3.125, and so forth. And then they also collect the transaction fees. And again, this is all for them doing their work. So this is like what Dave was saying, where finally, not finally, we've seen this before, I think, but... Um, it's unusual, and now we've seen it, where the transaction fees actually were higher 
in compared to in comparison to the reward. So you were getting more than fifty percent of your payment as a miner in transaction fees rather than the uh, block subsidy reward, the the new issued Bitcoin. So you know the UTXOs every time like those new Bitcoin are issued, they are then tra uh, traced from that Coinbase from that issuance. So you can see where those coins will travel if you look into like the history of each UTXO. You'll see where it got moved from. So as long as, like you said, Jax, the company or whoever wants to ox, so to speak, their Satoshis and say, hey, this address belongs to me and these newly issued Bitcoin are coming from me because I'm the miner and I won the reward. I earned the reward, I, you know. So then they're going to be able to trace those Satoshis for the rest of, you know, the time chain. Um, so I, I really don't see, like, again, this is what I was saying. It's just people, like, being creative and thinking of these creative new systems in order to just, I guess, have fun. Um, but I think really, like, the the thing that I really try to focus on with Bitcoin is the fact that, like, for me at least i just want the money to be fixed you know i just want the system the monetary system to be fixed so that i can move on with my life and then once you have a hard money that you know can't be debased and can't be stolen from you and that's censorship resistant and is decentralized then then great then everything else will fall into place because now you can focus on you know quality of life instead of like you know just quantity and chasing for more yeah it kind of oh, um yeah. gets rid of capitalistic greed without actually getting rid of capitalism which is probably like the best part of bitcoin for me um i think i i'm also pretty confident that this is more so just you know kind of i guess you could say a fad but you know whatever it may be this ordinals thing but just you know for the sake of a debate what happens if it doesn't go down what happens if this demand doesn't go down and the network continues to be congested that's great i mean that's what we ideally want right if we want 8 billion people using bitcoin we want demand so and like there will be whether we want it or not it's the best form of money the world's ever seen so like it's just a matter of people waking up to it you know so this is where like education comes in and where like it's just a matter of people waking up to the current problem of the monetary system that, you know, corrupts all of our lives. And once people figure that out and see Bitcoin as an option, just like we all did, they're going to just come to it, you know, whether it's by choice or by necessity. I mean, the lucky thing is for now, for us, it's a choice. So it's an optional system. But for some people, like at the tail end of adoption, like the last 20% or so, they're probably not going to be doing it by choice. They're probably going to be like the people that don't like using email but have to in order to confirm an appointment or people that don't like, you know, using a cell phone but have to because otherwise they can't make phone calls, uh, you know, when they're out and about. So it's like a matter of like, do you want to be an early adopter that opts into the system or do you want to be the last person that figures this out and is using it because you need to 
pay your bills and yeah. therefore you're going to need to like earn it because you can't convert your fake fiat currency that's created out of like thin air for real hard sound money which are satoshis yeah that's a great example and i think to add on to that too the main difference between you know your example i guess email um whenever you were the last 20 percent or whatever it was that had to use email you could just go and make an email the difference is with bitcoin you, you can go and just buy bitcoin but you're also going to be getting way less than what you would be getting if you just researched and got into it now so i think it's almost more important to be early on this because it's more monetary rather than just technology in general exactly yeah because also we can't assume any of these assumptions that you'll be able to convert fiat because by that time fiat is going to be a central bank digital currency that they could easily control and say you can't buy anything except for groceries and pay rent and use it within this time frame so there's no way that they're going to allow people to buy hard sound money you know well that bridge can close at any point and it could close sooner than we think so uh, you know and already more than 92 percent of the bitcoin that will ever exist is already issued so there's only less than eight percent of bitcoin to be issued in the next hundred plus years because we know that according to the issuance supply in the code we can verify this that all the bitcoins will be mined by the year 2140 so it's an it's more than a hundred years from now then the next eight percent is going to be issued so the rest of the world billions of people are going to be a chasing after that newly supplied bitcoin that last eight percent plus the supply that's already issued that different holders have like you and me and dave and anyone else that adopts bitcoin so it's like the way i see it now is like if you're able to accumulate bitcoin be grateful because we're going through a once in a history opportunity like we're basically living through the time when people figured out that they're not going to use salt and seashells and stones or currency and they're going to start using gold and we're able to actually trade in salt for gold you know um and so like who wouldn't take that opportunity you know because otherwise you're going to be stuck working for gold and you're not going to be able to trade your salt in yeah i mean for sure and also i know we touched on it earlier but because we are in this age um the you know where information spreads so quickly this is not going to be like you know when people switched from salt to something else or whenever people switched from bartering to like bank notes and stuff like that this is going to be so extremely quick that people will not understand what happens and then also you know something to add on to the cbdc thing as well is like even if that bridge doesn't close to where you're still able to buy Bitcoin, it almost takes some of the value out of Bitcoin because then they know your address. They know whatever address you sent the Bitcoin to from your CBDC. Um, and that's if the bridge doesn't close. That's if you're even able to buy it. So even if you are, the government is then tracking your Bitcoin as well. I mean, if they do go full you know, authoritarian at least, um, which I don't see that being too unlikely and you know that's kind of all the more reason why if you if you think bitcoin has value which we've kind of explained throughout this show that it does have value but again you can look for yourself then you should probably get into it 
as quick as you can afford to do so. Yeah, absolutely. And um, the confidence in the system is breaking, you know, and that's what this whole system is built on. Um, we were talking about like the banking crisis, right? The reason it's happening, the reason people are pulling money out of bank accounts in the billions is because they're realizing that it's not safe there. They're realizing the truth. You know, it's confidence versus truth. And that's the hard part is figuring out what is the truth. Like, that's why I had to ask myself, like, what money is? Because if I didn't ask myself that question, I wouldn't be able to find the truth, you know? And it's just an important thing, I think, for all of us to always question and always verify and not trust. Um, and that's the beautiful thing about Bitcoin is it removes all counterparty risk. You know, if you self-custody your own Bitcoin, you have your 12 or 24 word seed phrase in your possession and only you have it like stamped on metal or even written down in a couple of places that only you have access to hidden, then nobody's going to get that from you, you know, and only you have the ability to use that money. So just, you know, I always urge people to just, just be smart, you know, don't be lazy like I was in 2013 and 2017, you know, cause my life would be so much better today in the sense of like financial stability, financial freedom, like to do whatever I want with my time had I actually adopted Bitcoin sooner. Um, and the sooner people adopt Bitcoin, the healthier and the better they get faster, you know, and that's what I'm experiencing right now. I've been learning about Bitcoin since 2020. And even in the beginning, I saw it purely as an investment tool. And that's another thing I wanted to touch on real quick is the fact that, you know, Bitcoin in the beginning, like I said, I thought of it just as an investment tool. But now that I understand what it really is, it's a savings tool. It's not an investing tool. It's a savings tool. And the reason that it is a savings tool is because it's the best form of money. And money isn't supposed to be a melting ice cube. It's supposed to be something that can hold its value for eternity. And yeah. that's what Bitcoin is in a digital age. I mean, unless you think that we're going to go back to cave days and all of society is going to break down and, you know, we're not going to have technology, then, yeah, you probably want to just stick to gold and But at that point, would gold even really be bullets. valuable as well? Yeah. What was that? At that point, would gold even really have any value as well? Like if we're, if we're right. you know, back and that's that what I was far, saying. Then... Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like you're going to want gold and silver and bullets and... And, you know, make sure you can secure your home and make sure you have meat and eggs and, you know, food and are self-sustainable and energy and make sure you have a really strong community around you that can work with you to protect the community. And you're going to go back to the Viking and cave days, you know, like, I don't think we're going back to that day. Like, I hope not. I mean, that would be apocalypse, you know, um, I think we all want to live and flourish and thrive and move into the Renaissance 2.0, the golden, the not the golden Renaissance, which we saw in the golden era, but the digital Renaissance, which we're seeing in the information age. And um, I really love this book, uh, The Price of Tomorrow by Jeff Booth. He really explains it simply and clearly. Um, another book I would recommend is like The Bitcoin Standard by Seyfried Namos, Layered Money by Nick Batia. Um, Honestly, 21 lessons. The white paper too. 
Well, yeah, of course. Definitely, like, check out the white paper. Um, and, like, you don't even necessarily need to read the whole white paper if you get lost. Like, if you skim through the technical stuff because you're not a mathematician and it doesn't make much sense to you, that's okay. But it doesn't hurt to read it. But at least read the first two pages and the last two pages. Um, but definitely, obviously, read it. You know, it's only eight pages long. The ninth page is just the sources. So, you know, you definitely want to read the white paper. That's just like a given. That's just like your, you know, your ticket in and it's free. You can just Google Bitcoin white paper. Um, yeah, I mean, there's just so much that I've gained from this journey and that I keep gaining every day. You know, like the low time preference is huge. Being able to focus on my health more, being able to learn more about sustainable food and, you know, eating healthy, a carnivore diet, um, like all of these things came. I mean, I was always into like personal development and learning how to like be a better person. But that one piece of the puzzle was missing the money, you know, because the corruption of money just corrupts everything else because the incentives are all broken because you're just in this rat race always chasing for more money. But on a hard money system, you can actually just be happy with what you earn and you don't need to chase after more because what you earn isn't going to get debased and isn't going to melt away from you, so you'll be okay. And as we keep moving into this information age and to this technological boom, especially now with AI, it's just it's so clear. I mean, we see prices for everything going down. The only reason prices are going up is because of inflation, because we have a debt-based monetary system. And so it's an inflationary system. It's done that way on purpose because they think that inelastic money is a better money. So they promote at least a 2% inflation rate in order to tell us that we need to keep working and that we need to keep up with the pace of the economy, the, the growth of the economy, the growth of GDP and like all this. And like, if you look into all their charts and you look into all their theories, like you find so many holes in them and there's so all of the CPI prints, everything. They're so manipulated. All the numbers are just lies. They're just skewed the same way that like science is so skewed now, you know, they basically grant money to people to do studies to tell you what they want the science to tell you instead of actually having a critical scientific approach to trying to find the truth, you know? And people are waking up to that, you know, whether it's through corruption in vaccines that we've seen recently, whether it's through the lockdowns and the authoritarian regimes and the corruption in, in governments and how really the government is just owned by corporations and how these corporations are just poisoning our food and just don't want us to be sovereign individuals, you know, you know what they I just think want to really, be under their thumb. What I think it really comes down to is a lot of the people that we're trying to, you know, target with this show, the people we're trying to talk to with this show are already doing something to quote unquote survive the shift. So if you're, if you're out there, you have a garden, if you have your own land, you know, whatever it may be, then you're doing something. You're already kind of, preparing to be more of a um, self-sufficient person and your family and everything like that if you're doing that why not also prepare your financials to be more self-sufficient as well and i think that's 
really what got me into food independence because I was into Bitcoin first before I was into growing food or anything like that. Um, I kind of, you know, I guess looked at why I wanted Bitcoin so badly and why it had value to me. And the main reason was kind of what we discussed in the show. I mean, it's something that cannot be controlled by corrupt people. You know, it's your own money. You are your own bank, that kind of thing. So when I look at it that way, why not also be independent in other ways? Why not also, you know, try to not rely on the food infrastructure as much, you know, not rely on um, the water systems and everything like that. But if you're on the other side of that and you're already doing all of that with the garden and everything like that, why not also bank yourself using your own, you know, verification and, you know, you can trust math rather than individuals and stuff like that. Absolutely. Yeah. Rules without rulers. That's what Bitcoin is. Um, exactly. We're still going to need leaders. And I think that, you know, all people can be leaders if they want to be. It's just a matter of like, how many people do you want to lead? You just want to lead yourself in the right direction? Do you want to lead your family in the right direction? Do you want to lead your community in the right direction? Do you want to lead your nation in the right direction? I mean, it's a choice, right? And we all have to make that choice. And, um, Personally, I fell into the trap of like always trying to help others, I think. And I'm starting to learn that, you know, I do want to help others, but I also need to first help myself. And Bitcoin is reminding me of that every day because I need to first be able to take care of myself and my family before I can go out into my community and try to take care of them. And then before I can go out and take care of the world, you know, um, we need to all have a strong, solid foundation under us. And, you know, like, Jax, you mentioned, like, food independence, like, even if you don't have your own garden, the fact that you have a skill, the fact that you have some sort of value to add, and I believe that every human on earth has value to add. If you can hear, you can see, you can walk, you can do anything. I mean, even if you can't hear or see, there's people that are blind that are doing amazing things. There's people that are deaf that are doing amazing things, you know? I mean, like, it's really amazing. And it's all thanks to technology. And it's all thanks to us as a people working together. So, like, I don't want people to think that, you know, Bitcoiners are all just, like, saying that we all need to go and live in the middle of nowhere and hide and, you know, be without, like, a community. No, that's it's, it's really the opposite, actually. Like... Bitcoin is going to allow us to trade at the speed of light with anyone on earth and be able to just flourish in this technological boom that we're experiencing. And I think but, but it offers both. It offers both people. If, depending on what you want, it offers you that optionality. That's all Bitcoin really is, is it gives you that freedom to choose for yourself and your family how you want to live. And I think that's a very important aspect too, um, especially with food independence, for example, because everyone needs to eat. You don't necessarily need your own garden to have food independence. You don't necessarily need to be able to supply your own food by yourself for food independence. All you need is some kind of skill that provides value that isn't money. So right now, everyone gets their food because they buy it. You know, let's say money no longer exists. How do you get your food? You need to be able to do something for someone who has food. And then that way, you know, it's a barter system. So even if you live, 
you know, in an apartment, which we've touched on in the last episode on how you can start growing food in an apartment and that kind of thing. But even if you can't grow food for some reason, then just create some kind of skill that is valuable to people that do have food and then go on, um, you know, whatever social media or whatever it may be, just connect to people, go to the farmer's market, whatever, and build a network of people that are doing something that is important that you might need um, if you know, shit were to hit the fan. And that way you do have some food independence because you aren't reliant on money to eat. Yeah, exactly. And, um, I'm learning more about the carnivore diet now. So I used to really think that like we want our own garden and we want our own farm. And now I'm thinking maybe, uh, we actually want our own ranch and we want our own animals. Um, because like most nutrient dense meal you can have is is a is some beef you know and um it's funny how like i was always taught oh yeah you can just eat meat like once a week and you'll be fine and like it's wild to me to think that like this whole time i was taught something completely wrong and that i like still survived right but like how much of my potential has been lost you know and so now my goal is just to regain as much of my potential as possible and to help other people regain as much potential as possible and i think we'll Um, actually be doing a uh, full episode soon on just you know food and nutrients and you know becoming food independent in multiple different ways with meat and growing your own garden and all that kind of stuff so that'll be fun um, but I mean, yeah, absolutely. it's it's been a great episode. That was very fun. Lots of interesting topics. We did go pretty in depth on a lot of stuff, so I think it was very informative. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me, guys. And um, really humbled that you invited me on. Um, yeah. I could just uh, maybe end on these three points, which is, you know, don't trust, verify, not your keys, not your coins self-custody your bitcoin and uh fix your money fix your world you know um so that's what i'm personally working on and that's why i've been hosting the bitcoin is freedom show on twitter spaces every monday and thursday at 8 eastern so and if anyone twitter linked in the uh show notes as well awesome thank you yeah if anyone wants to join me on my journey learning how to be more self-sovereign and how to live a healthy life and help myself and others around me then join me let's uh let's hang out let's talk let's uh let's do the work together thank you guys so much for having me here i really appreciate it i appreciate you coming on that was uh surviving the shift episode two in the books well thank you gentlemen that was a that was a great conversation Uh, i look forward to uh having the the, uh, three of us together again in the future to uh continue this you know just pick up where we left off